Many years ago, Riley Knight completed a degree in history. This proved to be a bad move, as it was absolutely useless for him. Until now, here's some half-assed history. Well done, mate. Great to have you along for some more half-assed history. This week on the agenda, going to be having a chat about the Fenian Raids. The Fenian Raids, a pretty bloody funny little bit of history here that you may not have heard of before. They're not, not particularly well known, but uh, I'll tell you what, just from the outset, even with the, you know, sort of brief summary of what went on during the, you know, during this whole little thing, uh, you're going to get a sense of just how funny, funny this whole thing was. Essentially, the Fenian Raids were a series of military incursions into Canada, right, by Irish Americans who were doing this to end British rule over Ireland. So Americans invading Canada, essentially, to stop Britain ruling Ireland. Makes perfect sense when you think about it. Um, and, and needless to say, all of these uh, these attempted raids were dismal bloody failures. But uh, pretty bloody funny to, fi- to, to find out about as well. So, uh, so let's get to it and have, have a, ta- a talk about what was going on here in the lead up to the Fenian raid. So... The US have essentially, they've got huge amounts of Irish people uh, who have emigrated from Ireland after the Great Famine in the 1840s. So in the late to, mid to late 19th century, we've got, a, you know, a, a huge amount of Irish Americans, uh, you know, already set up in the United States. The Fenian Brotherhood was this Irish nationalist organisation that, that was set up in the United States in the 1850s, in 1858. So blokes who had been a part of the failed rebellions in Ireland in, in 1848 had fled to the US but were still absolutely determined. They were so, so determined here to uh, to overthrow British rule in Ireland. And so the Fenian Brotherhood was set up essentially to try to facilitate that from, you know, the other side of the Atlantic, as you do. No worries at all there. So the Brotherhood is it's set up like a government. It's got a constitution and a president and all of that sort of rubbish. And they did all this sort of different stuff to to raise money for this fight for independence back at home. They, they did stuff like sell bonds and, and hundreds of thousands of Irish immigrants in the United States, they chucked their money at the Fenian Brotherhood because they too, you know, believed in this cause of, uh, of overthrowing the British oppressors. And after having got all this money off all these people, you know, with these bonds and what have you, uh, the Fenian Brotherhood decided that the, the best way to spend all this money was to buy armaments and buy weapons. Yep, certainly makes sense if you're trying to overthrow a government and then use them to invade Canada, which is a little bit more of a leap when you're trying to throw Britain out of Ireland. But that's the way that it goes. That's the decision they made and uh, they stick to it and, and, you know, they, they certainly go at it with both hands here. So I, I also, in fairness, it's 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 probably important to note that the the uh, Fenian Brotherhood also sent a bunch of weapons home back, back to Ireland, or, or they tried to at least, because the plan was here, they were going to attempt a, a, a concurrent invasion. They were going to invade Canada, and they were also going to start this armed rebellion in, in Ireland at the same time and really show those British, uh, you know, what, what was what here. The unfortunate thing was for, for, for the, the Fenians here was uh, they sent essentially all of these, uh, all these weapons they sent on a ship, and, and essentially all of the weapons, the most of the, the, the shipment was uh, intercepted and, and confiscated by the British. So most of the weapons never really arrived in, in Ireland and this sort of, you know, grassroots up, uprising never actually uh, took place there. So a little bit of a problem there. But nonetheless, the Brotherhood had a fair few soldiers who had fought in the US Civil War, including both soldiers and officers. And they were also, these all these blokes were still keen as anything to get stuck in. They got a bit of a taste for, for war. Mm, oh, and they just wanted to get back out there and, you know, start sticking bayonets into things uh, once again. So... Despite the fact that things aren't going uh, that well on the home front with uh, the weapons being confiscated, they go, bugger it, never mind, we'll still get underway with this invasion of Canada. So they organised this first raid to take place in 1866, despite the fact that there is nothing going on back in Ireland, as I mentioned, they're still going for it full steam ahead. So once again, 
Just to remind you, this is a group of Americans, Irish Americans, who are fighting for Irish independence by invading Canada. Let's just keep that one in mind as we continue here. They are convinced, the reason for this is they are convinced that the British will be up in arms about Canada being invaded like this, and they will be forced to capitulate to the demands of the Brotherhood, uh, you know, given the, the might of their, the, the strength of their military arms in invading Canada. I don't want to uh, spoil the ending for anyone here, but uh, they didn't give too much of a hoot about it, to be honest. So, Anyway, the first raid, as I say, takes place in 1866. It's organised by the president of the Fenian Brotherhood, whose name is John Omani. Now, he gets 700 blokes, count them, count them, ladies and gentlemen, 700 blokes to take on the, the, the might of an international empire that spans the globe. 700 hot-blooded Irish Americans assemble at uh, uh, near Cam- uh, Campobello Island, which is just across the border from Maine in the northwest corner of the United States. The plan here was to seize the island from the British, (laughs) seize the island from British control here, and then presumably, I don't know, work through Canada bit by bit that part is is unclear at this time, but but the plan certainly started with the seizing of Campobello Island off the coast of Maine Now, the British commander in Halifax he hears about these idiots playing silly buggers down in Campobello Island and he, you know full credit to him, he leaps into action he goes, bugger this for a joke, I'm not having any of this on my watch um, this bloke, he's fought in the Crimean Wars. Uh, he's, he was involved in the US Civil War. He is a veteran of the oldest school and he does not take any rubbish from anyone, let me tell you that. So he personally jumps aboard a warship and leads a Royal Navy fleet down to the island with about 700, an appropriate number, British soldiers aboard ready to absolutely tear the Fenians to pieces. So we've got 700 members of one of the most highly trained armies on Earth and uh, the John O'Mahony All-Stars essentially sit, sat there on Campbell Island with their war bond purchased weapons. The Fenians, as you might imagine, they crap their britches and uh, after having seen this fleet uh, sailing up on them and they make a run for it. They scarper uh, to the hills and that is that. That is the end of the first Fenian raid. So a brief incursion onto Campobello Island, really a bit of a weekend away for the boys before the cops showed up, I think is probably a better way uh, to... Uh, Uh, to sort of, you know, classify that one. Anyway, things continued from there. It wasn't the only Fenian raid and, uh, and, you know, certainly the others had a a little bit more going for them, I think it's fair to say. So in the wake of this absolute uh, absolute farce on Campobello Island, the Fenians, they actually split into two factions. One, which is led by uh, John O'Mahony, as I mentioned before. Uh, They continue to try to, you know, fundraise and and, and get get together some money and that sort of stuff. They were actually more worried about getting stuff home uh, back in Ireland. They they really did want to get the revolution happening back, back uh, back on home soil there. The other, however, led by a bloke named William Roberts, Still wants to uh, to you know wreck stuff up in Canada. He still wants to start chucking punches up uh, uh, up and about uh, above the border here. So despite the fact that the the British back in the UK, back you know in Great Britain itself, didn't really care too much about anything that was going on in Canada, Roberts and his mates are convinced that again invading Canada was the way to get the British government to liberate Ireland. So. This militant faction, they draw up some more plans for another attack, and this time it's going to be across the Niagara River near Ridgeway, which is today in Ontario. The plans were created by a bloke named Thomas William Sweeney, and he, I tell you what, he's one of the hardest blokes you're ever going to meet. This bloke, I tell you what, he had been through the ringer in a major way. He had fought for the US Army and then later actually uh, for the Union during the, during the Civil War. He got shot in the dick. He got his little fella shot, right? And he had his 
arm chopped off during the American, the Mexican-American War in 1847. He was a brigadier general in the Civil War, and during uh, his heroic efforts during the Battle of Shiloh in 1862, he got shot in his one remaining arm and in the leg, right? And then later, during the Battle of Atlanta in 1864, his commanding officer, a bloke named General Grenville M. Dodge, actually stepped in on him and started giving order to his brigade. Sweeney's response to this, uh, this is not a joke, his response to this was to beat Dodge around the head with his stumpy little arm that had been chopped off, for which he was then court-martialed. And of course, acquitted, because how are you ever going to put a bloke like that away for doing something like that? Anyway... Um, apparently, this is how far you know this this legend of of Thomas Sweeney went. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, the, the the former president, Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt had he, he had a he loved this bloke Sweeney. He, he and he actually kept a photo of him on his desk while he was president. Anyway, one of the the hardest nuts you're ever going to have to crack here in in Thomas Sweeney. And uh, obviously Sweeney, he didn't muck about when he was drawing up this plan. He didn't care at all. And he was able to get a bunch of blokes who had fought during the Civil War together, both Union and Confederate soldiers. He got them all together and made this plan uh, to get things started up in Canada. This time, there were over a thousand Fenian soldiers together, and they all crossed the uh, the Niagara River there on the first of June in 1866. The crossing was eventually cut off by a U.S. gunboat, but uh, it took them about 13 or 14 hours to actually get where the Fenians were crossing because uh, some there were some Fenians on the crew doing a bit of you know sabotage, a bit of sneaky bastardry there, and uh, and prevented the gunboat from really having the, you know preventing this incursion there. So uh, as a result, a huge number of Fenians get across the, across the border. Now, some of the Fenians, they uh, they bugger off to to cut the telegraph lines and create some uh, some diversions at Fort Erie and and tie up the British reinforcements and they're broadly successful in doing this as well. Well done, boys. The rest of them remain behind to punch on with the Canadians that are there, you know, around the site that uh, where they they cross the river. Although actually, I have to say at this stage, quite a number of uh, of the Fenians had actually already abandoned ship, that already deserted the the uh, the invading force there. The moment they're over the border, essentially, they just kind of bugger off. I don't know, maybe maybe they're after you know Tim Hortons to roll up the rim or something. I don't know what's going on there, but anyway, a bunch of them do desert straight away. In any case, on the morning of uh, the 2nd of June, the, the 600 or 700 Fenians that are left uh, are met by 850 men of the Canadian militia uh, that has sort of been, you know, very hastily cobbled together overnight because of these blokes that have invaded. Um, and the militia actually included, you know, people from all strokes of life. It included some uh, university students who, <laughs> who didn't know their asses from their elbows here and didn't have any military training whatsoever. Um, and at first, however, despite, you know, having these... Uh, these bespectacled uh, nerds on their on their side. It looks like the Canadians are actually going to win, uh, but then something something went wrong, and we're still not exactly sure uh, what it was. You know, the Canadians did have the upper hand initially, but but something did sort of stuff up from there. One suggestion is that the Canadians spotted a few Fenian scouts on horseback and thought that they were about to get absolutely ruined by a cavalry charge, and and so moved to defend themselves. But there are there are other ideas as well. For example, uh, another suggestion is that some of the Canadians actually saw a bunch of Fenian soldiers in in their old military uniforms i mentioned that you know a bunch of these old veterans were fighting um, and thought that they were british reinforcements and and then began to withdraw now that the big boys had arrived and, and could uh, could take over the fight um so but in any case whatever happened there when the Canadians start to uh, to sort of withdraw, the rest think that they're retreating and and so start to break. And this means that the Fenians uh, manage to charge with their bayonets and they rout the Canadians well and uh, well and truly. So no matter what happened, any way you slice it, the Fenians actually win the day and they capture the town of Ridgeway and their conquest of Canada has begun. 
the, the, uh, the Canadian militia lose 13 men all up and they claim to have killed six of the Fenians, although the Fenians say only four or five people died. So uh, I suppose we'll actually, we'll, we'll never know the truth. There are never going to be concrete answers there. But, you know, unfortunately, some people do lose their lives in, in, in this battle. And, uh, you know, that's that's not a, not a good thing regardless of, uh, of, of who you're barracking for there. Still... The Canadians actually did pretty well to last as long as they did against hundreds of, again, Civil War veterans here, uh, given a lot of them that had had not had any training and, and the last military conflict in Canada had been three decades previous. So, you know, they weren't really sort of at the at the, at the bleeding edge of, of military training. Anyway, in the following days, huge numbers of Canadian and British reinforcements begin to, uh, to muster around Ridgeway and the Fenians, in the grand tradition of their movement, again, crap their britches, and they retreat back across the Niagara where the US authorities are waiting to arrest them. So the second uh, uh, Fenian raid there also doesn't go uh, too well there for the poor old Irish Americans. Now, you would think they would actually be in, in pretty deep poop here for, uh, you know, a staging a foreign invasion. The Fenians had really sort of gone the whole hog here. But the truth is that uh, actually not very much comes of this raid in terms of, you know, consequences for these for these Fenians here. Even after coming back into the waiting arms of the coppers back there in the States, most of the Fenians get not very much more than, you know, sort of a cursory slap on the wrist here because all their weapons are confiscated and some of them are in prison, but uh, essentially all of them are released within a month. So broadly speaking, nothing nothing happens as a result of, of, of this, you know, small-scale military action against a, a neighbouring country. Although, you know, having said this, the president at the time, Andrew Johnson, he's not too chuffed about this whole situation, and so he sends General Ulysses S. Grant and George Meade to go up to Buffalo and crack some skulls with uh, some of the people who are there. Now, Grant, rather interestingly, he doesn't actually do too much rather than just, uh, apart from just get on the source with some of his mates from the war, uh, leaving me to do all the work. Because Grant, obviously, you know, as one of the main figures in the Civil War, he he knows or has worked with a bunch of the people who were involved in the uh, in the Fenian raids. And, and, and as a result, he just goes there and he just starts sinking beers with them and having a, having a great time. But Meade, on the other hand, you know, he's he's going to play he's going to play the bad cop here, and he goes around to all the Fenians in Buffalo. He rounds them all up. He confiscates all their weapons, um, which uh, again didn't do too much because again they were all released after a little bit of time so it, it, you know again not too much not too much uh, in the way of consequences Mead was a bit of an odd one, to be honest, because uh, he hadn't done that well during the Civil War, and uh, there's actually suspicion that Grant harboured a bit of a grudge against Mead, and as a result, made him go off and try to punish all the Fenians, because Mead himself was Irish and sympathised with the movement, and so the idea here is, is Grant's actually been been a bit of a bit of a bastard here, and making his mate do this dirty work with people that you know he knew he had a sympathy for. So, anyway, look, it's it's a little bit unclear, a bit, a bit of speculation and guesswork going on there, but but in in any case, that, that's the way that it goes there um but as i say not too much comes of it even sweeney the guy who who pulled together this you know the the the, the real uh, the real the real hard bloke we talked about he he doesn't get too much uh, he doesn't get punished really at all he, he gets a short imprisonment and a, and a demotion and, and that that's essentially it so essentially the u.s they weren't going to to punish any of the fenians that badly because they were still annoyed with the united kingdom they're still annoyed with the british kind of supporting the confederacy during the civil war so they actually didn't mind the fenians punching on you know too much again i don't want to get into it too much about the, the kind of sort of support there essentially the u.s had a chip on their shoulder about the united kingdom and, and weren't having a great time with britain anyway so this this whole thing went more or less unpunished as a result of the politics at the time interestingly however this is this is the you know much more positive side of it here for from from the canadian perspective the battle of ridgeway was the first battle ever fought by and four Canadians, with Canadian commanders leading Canadian soldiers on a Canadian battlefield to a, a highly uncharacteristic Canadian defeat. 
And this battle actually went on to influence the politics of Canada at the time and was one of the one of the factors that contributed to Canada confederating the following year on the 1st of July 1867 because it provoked feelings of, of Canadian nationalism and showed the need for a united national defence as well as you know, well and truly pissing the Canadians off that the US had essentially tolerated an invasion staged on their soil. So it was something of a defining moment in the history of Canadian nationalism, even though it was a very small scale battle in the wider wider scheme of things, still a pretty important uh, sort of thing here uh, for Canada as, as a nation coming up there. So I mean, you know, there are, there are other raids to talk about here. A few other ill-fated Fenian raids did take place in the following months and years. But essentially, the US government sort of half assedly locked all the Fenian leaders up after this. They didn't really get too too far. You know, it, it was, wasn't much. There wasn't a huge amount of momentum left in, in the movement, broadly speaking, essentially there. But, uh, you know, there are these other raids. We can go through them very quickly. There was the, uh, the Pigeon Hill raid in 1866, where the Fenians surrendered <laughs> as soon as the Canadian forces arrived to find them uh, low on supplies and ammunition. So again, perhaps, perhaps not the, the the best thought out military operation there. Uh, there was the Battle of Eccles Hill in 1870, where the Canadians had been clued into the fact that the raid was coming. And so they actually laid in wait for the Fenians and uh, forced them to flee and leave behind the cannon that they dragged there with them. So the Fenians, the Irish Americans, they dragged this cannon all the way there, right to the waiting arms of the, <laughs> of the Canadians who make them flee straight away and, and get a cannon for their, for their trouble. So nice one there. There was also the Battle of Trout River in 1870, which uh, lasted by all accounts several minutes and uh, during which time uh, nothing interesting happened whatsoever so that was the battle that was the battle of trout river there uh, and the final ra- raid which is known as the pembina raid uh, is possibly the most hilarious of them all here because by this stage there is barely anyone left who even wants to go on these stupid raids at all but there's one bloke john o'neill who is still keen as mustard he gets 35 blokes 35 people 35 people together and decides to capture a trading post in the middle of nowhere, just north of the Dakota border, a million miles inland, a squillion miles away from anywhere important. And uh, they march, if you can call it marching with just 35 men uh, on this trading post and they capture it, but are arrested by US troops from a nearby fort. But what's this? What's this? United States troops marching into Canada to arrest the raiders? Nope. No, no, no. It turns out that the trading post was actually inside the United States all along and not even part of Canada. So in the last invasion of Canada by the Fenians, they didn't even make it across the border. Anyway, as for the Fenian Brotherhood, they quickly ran out of steam and they collapsed and they voted to disband, essentially, uh, without ever really having had much of an impact or an effect on the situation in Ireland, uh, you know, from the get-go. So that is the way it goes and that is the uh, the, the short and, and, and sad but pretty bloody funny story of the Fenian Brotherhood. But that's it. That's all she wrote today, sports fans. That is the story of the Fenian raids. And I'll tell you what, obviously, bit of a bit of a dog's breakfast by the end of things, but at least they got stuck in there. You know, two thumbs up, you blokes. Pretty, pretty embarrassing effort by the end of it. But hey, you know, A for effort. Not even an A for effort, really, is it? No, sort of like a, a D minus for effort, to be honest, because didn't get too much done. In all, in any case, that, that's how that's how that one goes. That is the story of the Fenian raids. 
Of course, uh, leaving you as ever with uh, the usual little messages there, you can uh, jump on our website, halfasthistory.net, find everything you need to know about the show, and you can send us an email as well, halfasthistory at gmail.com. You've got an idea for a show, or you just want to get in touch, say g'day, or whatever else, always good to hear from you, so please uh, through, send us through an email if, uh, if you feel like it. As usual, leaving you with a question posed by a historian on Reddit. Uh, Reddit historian Abu Ben Adim asks... Why is the shamrock the national symbol of Ireland? Couldn't they find any genuine rocks? 